This week on Mouse Flicks, we're getting a spoonful of something. Lucas Say What? And Girl Meets World Meets the Autism Spectrum. So silence your cell phones and settle in. You're listening to Episode 8 of the Mouse Flicks Podcast. Mouse Flicks is a fan-produced podcast dedicated to Disney film and entertainment. Lend us your ears for news, reviews, and commentary on the film House of Mouse. Mouse Flicks is not affiliated in any way with the Walt Disney Company, Walt Disney Pictures, Marvel, Pixar, Lucasfilm, or their partners and subsidiaries. All opinions expressed via Mouseflix Media are solely those of the podcasters and do not represent the views of any other individual or entity. Enjoy the show. Hello, hello. Welcome to Mouseflix. I'm Kristen DiBiase. This week, it's going to be a long one, so at least let's start it off on the right foot. Let's talk Mickey and the movies. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. It's time for News Nibbles. You want fries with that? Oh, 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 it's magic. Just when you thought you'd have to wait until Guardians 2 to hear another Peter Quill awesome mix, Marvel throws us a meaty bone to gnaw on until the next installment, Cosmic Mix Volume 1 a compilation of 12 songs heard in the Guardians of the Galaxy animated series. Blue Swede's fan favorite, Hooked on a Feeling, is back, followed up by 11 other artists, including Queen, Gloria Gaynor, and Three Dog Night. Pop in the cassette on October 16th and shake your groove thing. Don't call it a comeback. More than 50 years later, a brand new Mary Poppins movie musical is floating into town. But before you get your umbrellas in a bunch, chill out. It's not a remake, and it's not a reboot. But Rob Marshall, who directed Disney's adaptation of Into the Woods, is set to direct, and he said it isn't a sequel either. So what are we talking here, like Dirty Dancing Havana Nights? The Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift? Under Siege 2? Well, whatever it is, we kinda sorta don't know exactly picks things up in the 1930s, 20 years after the original takes place, and is based off of later books in the P.L. Travers Poppins series. Songwriters Mark Shaman and Scott Whitman, both from the former NBC show Smash, are on board and have big Sherman Brothers shoes to fill. Rumors are already flying about Disney wanting the bubbly nanny played by Emily Blunt. We know she has the voice based on her recent turn as the baker's wife in Into the Woods, which was directed by who? Rob Marshall. But another strong contender is Anne Hathaway, who has the aura of an heir apparent to Dame Julie Andrews. Fans of Saturday Night Live may also remember the Mary Poppins skit in an episode Hathaway hosted. Does anyone know where in the UK this will be filming? Just up the road from Slanby to Pushwing, go get a quindrobos, land to Silio, go, go, go. Huh. I hear the weather there is supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Stick with me on this one. This year is Universal's 25th annual Halloween Horror Nights, which is an event that turns Universal Studios into a giant haunted house extravaganza. 
I went last year in Orlando, and it's a pretty good time. Why do we care, you're asking? Well, one of the houses this year is based on the movie An American Werewolf in London, which was directed by John Landis. Landis, who happens to be friends with George Lucas, casually dropped a little info bomb at a Halloween Horror Nights Q&A session. We already knew that Disney plans to release full, original, and uncut versions of A New Hope, The Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi on Blu-ray. But Landis says he heard from the mouth of George Lucas himself that Disney's also re-releasing the original Star Wars trilogy in theaters. Commence your happy dances. Grab your Mickey buckets, kids! Under a new strategic alliance agreement between Disney and snack company Diamond Foods, Pop Secret is now the official popcorn of both the Walt Disney World Resort and Disneyland Resort. As part of the relationship, Disney will begin selling freshly popped Pop Secret popcorn at popcorn carts throughout both resorts. It's a lot of popcorn. Pop Secret will also become the main sponsor of Fantasmic at Disney's Hollywood Studios and plans to sponsor movie nights at many of the Disney Resort hotels. Outside of the resorts, Diamond will also advertise on ABC Family and the Disney Channel, as well as creating digital content, in-store promotions, and sweepstakes on Pop Secret popcorn packaging. Clearly, Disney has heeded my wisdom. Like I have been saying, everyone, popcorn's always better with a little pixie dust. And that, friends, is that. I said it last week, and I'm saying it again. Read the skim. In less than five minutes, you're in the know on what's happening in the world, and it doesn't even put you asleep to get there. Interested? Check out the link in the show notes. And now, our feature presentation. The audience is now deaf. I'm here speaking with Kathy Kelly, who is the host of the Special Mouse podcast. Thank you so much for coming, Kathy. Thank you for having me. This is fun. I never get to talk about movies and TV shows. I really wanted Kathy um, to be here on the show because not only is she the host of a podcast that really focuses on um, disability and ability issues, but she also has a son who is on the autism spectrum. And that's what we're really chatting about today. There's an episode of uh, Girl Meets World on the Disney Channel, season two, episode 15. I watch this show regularly. It's about the only show that I like on the Disney Channel at all. And I just <laughs> loved Boy Meets World so much. I wanted to see how they did things with Girl Meets World. So it's probably one of the best ones. I think you can kind of tell it doesn't have the same vibe as all the other shows on the channel. It just feels more genuine. And I think that's why it's a really good vehicle to have the message talking about the autism spectrum. When I saw this episode, I just knew I wanted to chat with Kathy and see her perspective on things. What did you think about it? Coming at it just as, a, as an objective observer, I thought that they did it very well. It seemed apparent to me that Farkle, he's the one, the kind of the quirky genius friend. Yes. Uh, he was already in the friend circle of Maya and Riley. So the diagnosis, although that was very realistic, usually children and even adults are not 
tested and or diagnosed with high-functioning autism or Asperger's until a later time because the symptoms are so mild. And uh, it's very common. It's even called the little professor syndrome. Hmm. When children are very, um, uh, they seem rather precocious and uh, bookish and kind of quirky. And, uh, and so oftentimes it's considered just Oh, they have a quirky personality and, and a little bit of social awkwardness. So it's not uncommon for a person to be tested if the question comes up uh, in, in a later year. So that I found was really spot on. Whereas my son, who's more classic autism and he has much more debilitating behaviors and, and, and issues, it was rather evident when he was two and three years old, that right. there was something going right. on. So, so I found that to be quite realistic. I remember watching it. And in the beginning, I kept thinking, no, he's not like I, I knew already, uh, yeah. without having watched previous episodes of the show, he was just too well adjusted and he had friends. And that is the biggest challenge I think with, uh, children and, and adults who have the high functioning autism or Asperger's is that relationships and social interaction is their biggest uh, area of difficulty. And uh, knowing that he had already a very well-established friend circle, very supportive. And I loved how the girls, they were uh, very supportive of him as a person, but they did show uh, a bit of anxiety. I couldn't remember whether it was Riley or Maya. One of them seemed a little anxious about the, yeah. the autism testing. They want to see if I have autism. You don't. Let's go tell them you don't. I might have a type of autism called Asperger's syndrome. You don't. What is it? It's a disorder that affects a person's behavior. Farkle, when I said that you were a little farkly, what I meant was that... Yeah, you behave just like a perfectly normal Farkle. You do. We'll get the results from today's interview and we'll know. We know. We don't know. From the very get-go, that word label was mm -hmm. thrown out. You know, even Corey, when he was in front of the class, you know, don't live under a label. Um, the only label you should wear is your name. Uh, so they seemed to be focusing on more the, quote, diagnosis or the label and the fear of would that change him? Would that change his perception of himself? Would that change everyone else's perception? And uh, what I liked was that not only did they address the concerns of the friend circle, but they showed the parents as well. So the parents of Farkle, the boy who was being uh, diagnosed, were discussing their concerns with their friends, you know, Riley's parents. And mm -hmm. uh, it was I found very positive, very uplifting to see that the parents were modeling the supportive behavior. So they were showing their friends support parent to parent the same way that they were encouraging their children to show support to their classmate. When you look at the show from the Boy Meets World past that I have watching the show, Farkle is a tiny little version of Stuart, his father, Minkus, who is the friend of Corey and Topanga. So it's very interesting. There's a lot of callbacks 
in this show to the previous one. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's definitely kind of a pint-sized version of his dad. Which is also one of the reasons why, uh, if he was on the spectrum, that that would slip through because it would be considered, oh, personality. Oh, you're to chip off the old block. You're just like your dad, you know, with this kind of quirkiness. So I definitely, as soon as I saw the the friend, um, the one who actually had Asperger's. Yes, yes. Uh, that's his nemesis, Smackle. Isadora. Smackle. Isadora. Yes. So when I saw Isadora, I didn't even have to wait for the uh, the show to reveal that she, in fact, was the one who had. Asperger's because she seemed to be much more in line with uh, and again even Asperger's and it's no longer really called Asperger's anymore it's called high functioning autism even with high functioning autism there is a spectrum so you can have a little bit of it you can have a lot of it Uh, there's different uh, levels uh, which again makes makes diagnosis uh, a lot more challenging but she seemed to have a more difficulty in the making friends area. Okay. Um, and some of it is you could see it's because of her behavior. Her behavior could be a little off-putting, mm-hmm. uh, where she would say things that were uh, a little insensitive. Sparkle. Hello, Smackle. You observed me in my natural habitat, so I asked Mr. Matthews if I could observe you in Mediocreville. <laughs> I hope that's not offensive. Of course it is. I have no remorse. <laughs> Where you know, and and especially with um, with children of this age, this whole tween and middle school kind of age, uh, everything is about fitting in. Everything is about conformity and fitting in and not being the oddball. And uh, so so she seemed to be more of a you know air quotes oddball. So yeah, so it was not a surprise to me when it was revealed that she did have the the high functioning autism uh, now the show i think of course of course you're it's only a half hour show right. very very difficult i think they did a wonderful job with addressing superficially you know some of the the concerns um that they were talking about i think they focused a little bit more on the label issue yeah. about don't don't change the way you feel about yourself or about your friends because of a label it's more your actions it's your actions that are you that's what makes you you riley and maya said well you're farkle that's who you are you know so sayings and again wonderful message of support you know we like you for who you are even though you're quirky we like you uh i think that it may have been a little more realistic if they had shown someone who was not well-liked, because that's often the case. It's the quirkiness and the strangeness and the the differences that isolate. Right, they, they can be a little off-putting. Yeah, they're off-putting. When I think of Asperger's, if you're going to talk about TV shows, if you're familiar with The Big Bang Theory, Sheldon Cooper. Sheldon Cooper is the poster child for Asperger's, high-functioning autism, because he's annoying. (laughs) (laughs) Annoying to the people who are typical, you know, because of, again, the social uh, faux pas and the rigidity. There's often a lot of rigidity in Asperger's uh, and and I think that I think they glossed over it a little bit lots of children in this age group if they do have 
Asperger's, they're very prone to bullying. Now, it, it seemed like Isadora, she wasn't having problems being bullied. She was having problems, though, not making friends. You could see that she really envied the friendship that Farkle had with the group and that she did not have the same in her school. And this is why they were encouraging her, well, come to our school. Again, highly simplistic. It's not something that you could just, oh, yeah, just change your school all of a sudden, you know. Right. I think it may have been more realistic if there had been some some mean girls around. Uh, but again, we're we're only talking about a half hour show. I think if we had had a full hour to cover the subject, there may have been a little bit more realism. That's really what I thought um, when I was watching it with Maya, which was the moment they found out that, hey, there might be this condition um, that Farkle has. She's the one where it sounds like it's a very negative thing that he has, and she's really concerned whether he does have it or not. I felt that she was the one character who seemed a little more realistic in her response than the other ones did. Oh, yes. And in fact, it's this whole issue of label, I think, that uh, is a factor in many children having a delay in testing and evaluation, especially in the early years, because the parents are very hung up on the label, you know, having their child labeled as special education or learning anything with disability in it is scary. And, and for many people, it's negative. So, uh, so I found that to be extremely realistic when the parents, Farkle's parents, were a little apprehensive and concerned uh, because, again, uh, it has the power to change perception. I do think it was brilliant how they brought in Isadora as the the actual uh, person with Asperger's. And, and again, more realistic, she was diagnosed at an earlier age. They're wired differently. They're just hardwired to think differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because they are able to function, they're high functioning. They can go to school. They can even win scholarships. They are doing very well uh, in certain areas, whereas other areas they are really desperately in need of support socially. So yes, I I, I feel that overall the show did. Uh, in the time period that they had and using the established characters that they had, I think that they did an excellent job. I think um, from what I was reading that when they were coming up with this episode, they consulted with um, two or three uh, doctors um, and educators on it before they put the material forth. So do you see that? Well, I certainly did think it was a little strange, uh, the one scene where Farkle stands in front of the class and he explains exactly what autism is. That seemed unrealistic, but yet necessary for the show. Somehow the audience had to be made aware of exactly what it is we're talking about. So, uh, so yes, you could certainly see the hand of the specialist in that, uh, because I'm sure that that was something that was not easy to write into the script. <laughs> right. It worked beautifully that, 
because if it had just ended that, uh, oh, no, Farkle's not uh, autistic, then you're sort of left with this weird like, OK, are you happy? Hooray. Well, then, oh, then that paints right. then that paints autism as something negative and something to be avoided or or uh, afraid of or, or I mean, it, just just overall negative. So I think it worked out very well that that Isadora did have the label, uh, although she had kept it to herself. I will go through life alone. Isadora, you haven't lost Varkle. He doesn't want me now. Why? Because he doesn't have Asperger's like you. How did you know? We studied. We're studiers. She made me. <laughs> I was diagnosed when I was five years old. I struggle with it. Isadora, I don't think there's anybody we respect more than you. I'm not like everybody else. But who wants that? Whereas Farkle seemed very open, very relaxed, and very comfortable with talking about it and letting everyone know what was happening, which again did not quite smack of tween reality, yeah. but, it, but it fit the show. Overall, I think that it was positive. I think that it certainly can serve as a jumping off point for conversations that parents can have with their children, if, if parents were watching with their child, which you hope that they would, that they could use it to discuss uh, that, well, is there anyone in your class that seems a little farkly, you know, <laughs> or, <laughs> or sometimes, sometimes, sometimes the kids do know about particular uh, classmates that have particular uh, labels, particular diagnoses. So if it starts conversation, if it brings a little bit of awareness, uh, if it encourages acceptance, that is really where the focus is right now because it's not an unexplored area anymore. So it's not so much about awareness, but it is about acceptance. And when you're talking about the tween age group, acceptance is everything to them. Being accepted is, is the most important thing socially. And so teaching your children to be accepting of others despite their differences and their quirks is one of the most important things you can do as a parent, I feel. Thank you so much for being on the show, Kathy. Thank you for having me. It was fun. Can you give us all your info to make sure folks can get to you if they want more information on this? Well, thanks, Kristen. Really, everything can be found at specialmouse.com. That is the website. It hosts the blog and the podcast. And all of my contact information for uh, social media is there. Uh, the best way to reach me directly, though, is through email, specialmousepodcast at gmail.com. And if you have any questions about autism, Disney, or any special needs uh, travel at the parks, I would be more than happy to answer them if I can. And that's a wrap. Mouse Flix is a production of Mouse Flix Media and is produced by me, Kristen DiBiase. The Mouse Flix podcast theme features music by Jason Shaw of Audionautics.com. To all of you out there in the world or the land, thanks for listening. If you like what we're doing, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Podbean. Tell your friends, yell it from the rooftops, and most importantly, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Comments, questions, or suggestions? Email us at mouseflix at gmail.com. Find us on the web at www.mouseflix.com, like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash mouseflix, and tweet us at mouseflixcast on Twitter. We'll talk to you soon, and remember, 
Popcorn's always better with a little pixie dust. You know that sparkly mouse ear logo in the bottom left corner of all the Disney Channel teaser commercials? Notice how it's smaller now? Four words, magic wand carpal tunnel.